Welcome to Vancouver True Crime. My name is Mark. I'm the host of the show. Today I have a special guest and a co-host. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Ryan Plessel. I study at BCIT. I'm in the Radio Arts and Entertainment Program, and um, I specialize in journalism. So you contacted me when we've been going back and forth about a month or so, give or take? Yeah, about that. And then I've been sharing some cases. We've been looking at a lot of like, and because you're 19 years old, maybe talk a little bit about your background first, like you're into jujitsu, you're a jujitsu instructor, and you know, just to tell the little audience about yourself. Yeah, so like Mark said, I'm a jiu-jitsu instructor. I'm also a jiu-jitsu competitor. Um, I have a particular interest in self-defense and teaching people how to defend themselves. That's why I got into the coaching aspect, um, starting with kids. Like school violence has always been not okay with me. And then now getting into the adult. Yeah, of course. Now getting into the adult self-defense area and martial arts area, teaching them how to defend themselves too. And um, I I started BCIT two years ago, and I reached out to Mark because I had a particular interest in the true crime aspect of journalism, Um, especially living in Vancouver, where crime is (laughs) so elevated, and it gets worse and worse every single day, which seems like an exaggeration, but it's true. Every single day living in Vancouver, you hear about things getting worse and worse and worse, so a little bit about that before we started the show and I was telling you about, you know, I've been doing this for about three years and in the beginning, you know, I had to build up a whole bunch of material and research because, you know, it was new. I had to have new material, all my research and stuff. And, and, and even though I've written some podcasts like two, three years ago, I still haven't put them out yet because so much stuff comes out in the news cycle that just puts things in the head of a line. And then uh, recently, it's just like the I can't keep up with the news cycle, and the news cycle doesn't represent the city that I that I was born and raised in anymore. Like I I didn't grow up in a city that had random attacks and bear sprays and machetes and people going getting knifed on the bus and on the sky train and you know children you know going to go meet their mama and texting their mom saying hey i feel scared there's someone on the bus and the next scene doesn't make it home alive you know this is not the so it is getting to be a very dangerous situation and and, and one of the things that i uh you know I'm, I'm grateful to work with you is because one your age you're 19 years old and and um hopefully you know you can help reach more young people you know get into martial arts and not use violence to solve your problems and and, you know i mean create discipline for yourself and and uh you know self-esteem and self-worth you're you're gonna treat yourself better if you have these things you're not going to get involved with these you know these terrible things right so i appreciate you having you on ryan and and uh, we've had some great conversations we've talked a lot about some crazy cases i've been telling you about uh, all these missing men cases across North America and how they mirror a lot of strange cases in BC and, and Vancouver. And you've done some great research and you found some um, some really great uh, information on a local case that we've been talking about for quite a while. Why don't you talk about that case a little bit? Yeah, so we've been we've been looking into the Kellen McElwee disappearance. Yes. Um, Kellen went missing 15 years ago. We just reached the 15-year anniversary on March 19th. And his disappearance is strange. He was, he was out with friends, 
at the keg in Langley. He left at around 9 p.m. and headed back to presumably his house in Burnaby or his apartment in Burnaby. Yes, the, the then, condo. Yeah, then he didn't show up for work the next morning and was never seen again. Um, so they so give a little context for people that don't live in Vancouver or maybe, you know, you're listening because people listen to my podcast, thankfully, around the world. So out in, in Metro Vancouver, there is, you know, a suburb a township called Langley. And he lives in Burnaby, which is another suburb of Vancouver. But Langley and Burnaby is roughly maybe about a half hour drive, give or take. So he was eating at a keg restaurant, which was in Langley. And I actually live pretty close to this location. And uh, across the street uh, from the keg steakhouse, there's a massive movie theater. It's a huge, it's called the Colossus Theater. It's massive. It's one of the biggest movie theaters in Metro Vancouver and has a huge parking lot. So he, from my understanding, he went and ate with his friends at the keg restaurant. His car was parked in the movie theater parking lot and he walked across the street and literally that was the last he was ever seen alive. A super strange disappearance um, because we've talked and new information is still coming to light to this day. Yeah, we're going to yeah, get into totally about some. But we, we talked about like, at first, this seems like a random disappearance, right? Where, right. how does this guy that was just out for dinner with his friends, right, just go missing out of nowhere? It doesn't happen, or at least we think it shouldn't happen. Um, you talked about that it does happen more recently, though, with all these disappearances across North America that fit a similar pattern, right? Yeah, yeah, not to confuse the audience, so... so... What I talked to Ryan about is a string of some very strange disappearances. And in these disappearances, it, it fits a very specific profile. The, the person that usually, or the man or young man that usually disappears is between the ages of 18 into the high range, early 30s. But typically they're in the late teen, early 20 phase. They tend to be athletic attractive above average good looking not necessarily in trouble in gangs or involved in any type of criminal activity a lot of times they're they're college kids general cases i'm talking about they, they a lot of them they go they disappear off college camps especially if they're out partying and, and then it gets blown off oh they probably got drunk they probably got you know kids being crazy drinking too much probably an accident and and sometimes these cases that they are found and they're found in water, but they're found two weeks or more than after they disappeared. And in one case, just because I don't want to get too confusing for the audience, in one case, he disappeared for two weeks. He was found in a river in upstate New York in the river. But when they did an examination report on him, the medical examination report, they found fly larvae eggs on his body. So that means he couldn't have died in the water. He died on land. And then plus they found ligature rope marks. So there's some, there's some very sinister type of foul play uh, to these cases. To bring it into context to the local cases, there's a lot of cases that fit these cases that are happening across North America. And at first it appeared that Callan kind of fit the profile. He was above average looking guy, kind of big, muscular. He was a bouncer and he seemed well liked by people. And he had seemed to have an active social life and he didn't seem to, uh, to really have criminal activity, but we found some more information about that, right? So why don't we talk first about 
the um, the thing that you discovered or that article you found? Yeah, so it's just coming to light now. Kellen had some some strange tendencies and habits. Um, number one is the year before he went missing, Kellen owned his own company, and his company was involved in a major lottery scam. Um, right, which, Mark, you were telling me is very common. Yeah, I'll break that down for the audience. So again, just uh, when did he disappear? He disappeared March 19th, 2008, right? So 15 years ago, right? So at first it was a strange case, disappearance. His car was found. Someone appeared at his apartment. We'll talk more about the apartment. And they were wearing this very distinct kind of puffy designer jacket for trim on the security camera. Someone... Uh, gained access to his apartment, right? So to the lottery thing, which was very interesting to me, and I was telling Ryan about this, and I shared a little tiny bit about this on my podcast before, but back in the day, when I used to work in the stock market industry, there was these things called boiler rooms, and they even had a show called Boiler Room. There was a movie called Boiler Room, and a boiler room was a slang for kind of a scummy, scammy little company that either sold stocks, fake lotteries, bonds, things like that. They were startups. They'd buy, they'd get a bunch of phones and desks, hire a bunch of people, buy lists. These lists were typically uh, older seniors in the United States that didn't really have or understand investing and they weren't really sophisticated financially. And basically these people over the phone would tell them that they won the lottery or they're going to get all these stocks or whatever, but you got to send money for legal expenses or blah, blah, blah. And it was outright scam. So I was, I was surprised to hear that he was involved with one of these phone uh, scam um, companies that do and in his case they were selling lottery tickets and he had to pay back a penalty didn't he yeah and he wasn't just involved either he owned the company that he was supposedly doing this under wow. which makes it which makes it super strange um, yeah and like you said mark his his disappearance as we go through these facts seem less and less like it fits that narrative of randomness less as we go yes, through these facts, yeah, right? Yes. So uh, Kellen was forced to pay $65,000 to, resu- to resolve this issue, which wow. um, is a lot of money. And then eventually his company was dissolved later in 2007 because of this issue. Right. Okay. So you own this company. I'm looking at your notes here. Yeah, you did some great research here. He owned a company called PacGen Capital. That was scamming elderly people with fake lottery calls, just like I was saying. Yeah, they, these 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 businesses, believe it or not, in the late '90s to early 2000s were quite common. Um, just to not get too down the rabbit hole of it, but I worked for one, and uh, when I discovered that they were ripping off old people, in my naivete. I decided to blow the whistle on them and went and reported them to the police thinking that would solve everything. <laughs> I certainly got a, a life lesson doing that. So I ended up having Sadly to Sadly mistaken. Oh my God. And that's the thing. You want to be able to do the right thing. And I swear to God though, the sometimes when you want to do the right thing, God, it's the worst thing you can possibly do. It was I end up three years of my life. I end up being, uh, having me a witness in court and blah, blah, blah. And the owner of this company ended up getting 10 years. But I really had a, the way that the police did it. It really uh, made me, I, I felt very vulnerable too, because I wanted to be anonymous 
And and when they ended up wrestling, oh, my name was all over the report. A complaint from Mark Devereaux. You're doing bad stuff. <laughs> and and yeah, and then like you're saying, and what I was saying to you before, what's the most shady aspect of this business is because I understand how the business works is the processing, the merchant account. The merchant account is the most important aspect of it because if I call an old person and say, hey, you need to send me a check for $5,000 for the legal expenses because you just won $5 million from the Canadian lottery or some stock or whatever bullshit I'm telling them. I have to be able to process that money. They're not going to send me cash in the mail. So a lot of times they would get people to write checks. They do a check by phone where they process the check by phone, but they need a bank that will process that, right? Or a credit card. The credit card has to go through a processor. And and most re uh, reputable banks do not want to touch anything fraudulent or criminal. So a lot of times these banks that facilitate this type of criminal activity are located offshore. They're in the Caribbean or they're even in some cases they're in Europe because they have to be able to process uh, the money that they're getting from people over the phone. So that's where the real criminal circles really start to lie because the people that have these banks are definitely involved in criminal activity, money laundering. And, and it's, yeah, that's where it gets really sketchy. Yeah, and we're aware that Kellen was running a international scheme because wow. the people he was scamming was out of America and the yes. United Kingdom primarily. He must have made some money because he bought a condo, right? Yeah, so the same day that he went missing, Kellen bought his condo that we are going to get into that there was a strange person of interest um, appearing at later that night. Uh, Kellen bought the condo. And he paid way over asking price for the condo, too. So he must have had some money, like you said, from from these schemes that he was doing or other um, interesting tactics of getting this money. Yeah, because some of those rooms made a lot of money. Cause, and the, the one that I was working for, the one that I helped take down... The guy was making about five million a year, and he was run and he had, he had this thing running for I think at least for about five to six years, if memory serves me correct. So even if he pays like a sixty five thousand dollar penalty, but you have all this other money stashed, right? Plus two, if he because of the banking, he could have money stashed offshore and things like that. Exactly, and you know, like you said. And like we were talking about, it's an international scheme, right? So like yeah. you said, the chances that he had that money stored offshore are very high considering that uh, Kellen's day job was working at a Rogers call center, which when, yeah. when the police and everybody started to investigate his spending habits and how he actually afforded this apartment that he bought the day of his disappearance... Up. It didn't add up. Not at all. No, Not he was working close. as a bouncer. And trust me, I worked as a bouncer back then. It doesn't pay very well. It's a job you do because you get to go out for, for you know, you get you get bar courtesy and uh, kind of stuff. Bouncing does not pay well. Not 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 enough to buy a condo, right? A penthouse yes. condo. Rogers call center back then, maybe 15 bucks an hour. Maybe, you know, if he's a supervisor, maybe 18 buying a penthouse condo with uh, that kind of uh, 
income. So yeah, it seems like he had some money squirreled away and obviously he upset somebody. It, it does now, the more you look at it, this looks like, in my opinion, this just speculation with this. Probably when that business got shut down, he probably lost a bunch of people's money, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. For example, right, but they're all being processed through that one bank. So if one person screws it up and gets a bank shut down, a lot of a lot of other people uh, suffer, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, so what you're saying is he met some unsavory characters, and Kellen's dad agreed as well that he could have met some unsavory characters in his time as a bouncer, but not just as a bouncer, running this company that's scamming a bunch of people. Um, he probably met some people that eventually helped Kellen meet his demise, right? Oh, totally. And there wouldn't be a easy, it wouldn't be that difficult because I, I was thinking too, because again, uh, people that are involved in fast money, quick money, offshore money, you know, they they might have their fingers in a whole bunch of different pies, right? And, and, and like I said, if he came and maybe made some waves and maybe got a bank shut down, that would have been a big deal. And, uh, that that could have caused some really massive ways because again, with criminals in general, how how do you um, get in trouble with them? Either owing the money or insulting their integrity, and you know, that, get getting the ire of their temper because you disrespected them. But mainly, you're going to get in the crosshairs of of gangsters if you owe them or lose them massive amounts of money. And then if he's buying a condo, right? That could have been like a little bit too okay. You're 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 sh you're showing off here right yeah it's basically confirmed that he had some sort of criminal tie right like with this company he owned and then there's the fact too that he had two cell phones at the time of his disappearance which is right. which could be related to some sort of gang activity well you um, know what though believe it or not because again back to that business he could have you know a lot of these people i'm telling you because uh, these people that ran these rooms were just treacherous. So they would get busted, and even though they're being busted, they'd open up another room and open up another room and another room. They just can't help it. They just is only this is how they know how to make money, right? So the second phone is usually tied to that business. So for for what I'm saying is this. So think about this, right? I called let's say 50 people that day and told them they won the lottery or blah blah blah, right? I'm not going to give them my my home phone number. I'm going to give them a different number, usually a burner phone. Uh some of these boiler rooms literally they run on boiler on um burner phones. So when that second phone rings, it's you know it's a customer. Oh, we got a live one here. They think they won a bunch of money. Okay, you see what I mean? So the second phone you know again could be, you know, dealing or whatever but because of this that business that that for me gives me an indication that he might have still had something going because sometimes they have these dupes i'm not i'm not kidding these people are so naive and so trusting they're not going to just pay them once they're going to pay them multiple times and sometimes they ha they'll have like literally i've seen it they have the like, people will have they call it their sucker list of people that will just, anytime you call them and say, hey, you got that check? Oh my God, did I forget to write you that check? And they've already written to you four times. You see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and with the phone thing too, a lot of people at the time of Kellen's disappearance, this, this phone information came to light pretty fast, right? Yeah. Whereas this information about his second company is just now coming to light. But a lot yeah. of people speculated at first like, okay, maybe it's because he had a job with the Rogers Call Center or maybe this and maybe that. But 
his disappearance as you go through these facts just seems less and less random, right? He wasn't the victim of some random attack. No. Yeah, at first I fit him into that kind of category because I did a I did a, um, a little bit about him when I first started. And I mentioned, I think I did a podcast about, I, I did a, I did a, originally I did a bunch of podcasts about Missing Men. I've taken it down because I want to reboot it. But I first speculated that I felt his job as a bouncer, he might have pissed off the wrong guy, maybe threw out the wrong guy or got disrespectful or whatever, and they wanted to show him. Um, but now, as from what you're talking about, him having one of these these boiler rooms, that, that totally blows my mind. And, it, and, it, and again, because I have some experience, unfortunately, and at least in my case, I try to do something about it, but even at a personal cost to myself, but whatever, I'm glad I did. But, uh, but it gives me some, it gives me a real, like a uh, whole different look at him knowing that he owned one of these businesses because they're, they're pretty shady businesses and, and they do, they do, they just go out and they rip people off with, without any remorse. And that, yeah, with- that's what, why I found it disgusting. The reason why I went to the police, because when I'm walking around in the room, all these idiots talking about all the hookers and the coke they did and the weekend and all the money they blew and they're stealing from old people. And this one guy, he on his desk, he wrote, "Oh, this guy's blind." So this, so that means it was like a top, you know, blue ribbon lead. Oh, this is a good one. This guy's blind, and I'm like, "Wow, like this is disgusting." Just so they could go get, you know, party and buy designer clothes and sniff stuff up their nose. You know, you get the idea. Like a bunch, it was a bunch of people who were uh, very um, into debauchery. And as fast as the money they got, the fast as it got spent, you know? Yeah, Kellen well, yeah. wasn't really in the business to help people, right? Especially in the business like this. No, it's a business for straight up greed. And I knew people like, you know, again, I knew people that would start one of these boiler rooms just to make a bit of money. I'm not saying it's it's still noble or good, but then they would do something and turn it into something kind of legitimate. But then I seen others. This is this was their main gig, and they as soon as one shut down, they had two other rooms opened up. And I knew people that had multiple because again, they were so prominent downtown Vancouver at the time, and they'd even be advertising in newspapers, like you know, back when for internet was job ads. They did straight up advertise, sell the lotto to the Americans. They had a call center. I'll tell you a quick story. They had a call center that was in. Uh, specific center and it was i where there was to be this big underground park it was a massive call center and that's all they did was sell lotteries it was had employed hundreds of people and this guy his name was blair downs he was a stockbroker from uh, alberta that moved to bc he made over 300 million dollars a year selling lottery to them to americans scamming them he had guys that would get hundreds of thousands of dollars. So like I said, it was like this big uh, rush of easy money. Like Vancouver has a real shady history of fast money from grow ups. Uh, this is kind of, bef- this was all while grow ups were going on. So people would either have grow ups or they'd have one of these scummy rooms that ripped off Americans. The, again, it was, it was more common than you think and, and disgusting. Yeah, that's insane. It's just, again, it's just multiple things about his disappearance are just very shady. 
Yes. And um, the fact that he was involved in these multiple shady acts. Yeah. Do you want to get into um, the person at his apartment too? Because that's another shady thing. He For buys sure. the apartment the same day that he goes missing. Yeah. And then there was someone found at his apartment on CCTV footage. Yeah. That is linked yeah. to the case now. Or police find could be linked to the case. So that was that the original video of the person walking into the lobby and they had like kind of that winter parka of the fur lining coat, but they had it pulled over so you couldn't really see their face. Yep. And did you think when you looked at it, did that look like a, I always thought it looked like a girl or, or a more petite woman. So from what I've, what I've read, police are speculating that it was a man, but I agree with you okay. from watching, from watching the footage, yeah. they're not, they're not a hundred percent sure. And Neither am I, because watching the footage, their mannerisms seem more womanly. Yes, and then looking at the photos of the jacket that the police have released, if you tie that to going to that website, it's a, and excuse my pronunciation on this, Christian Ad, Adiger style yeah, puffy uh, jacket. Yeah, but if you look at the photos on their website, the mm -hmm. people modeling that jacket that that person is wearing are females. Yeah, right. yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I know. I totally got the vibe. It was a woman, like that went to the apartment. Yeah, which is which is super interesting because police have directly said um, that that person is most likely tied to this case somehow, and yeah. they've never been able to find that person of interest. If that person still has the jacket fifteen years later after this case, it's not likely, right? But. Well, that's the thing, right? It isn't, you know, it, it, it also, I remember there was a DC backpack. Yes. I, I research cases across, you know, Canada, United States. It, it tends to be a lot easier researching cases in the States because they will inform the public on the stages of investigation, suspects, things like that. There seems to be a lot more transparency here. I mean, in the States, as far as like, look at the, the Idaho Call the college co-ed killers. I, I've seen a, a 3D rendering of what the house looks like. I know. I know so much about that case, right? Me as well. Here, in this, but here it's like 25 years later. Oh yeah, we released a CTV photo. Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? It's like okay, is there anything else? And then this information about his him buying the apartment the same day, and him being involved in this pack gen scam. Yeah, that's now just coming to light. Like. It's well, super think about strange, this, right? If he paid over asking, right? Okay, so again, you know, just doing to play connect the dots here, right? He's a guy. He's young. He's twenty five years old. Uh, works as a bouncer, you know, guys some social life and stuff like that, right? And he works at the call center, and and then he had this really shady business that was just, you know, call it what it is. It's a it's a it's a it's a criminal enterprise to scam people. It's financial. A fraudulent business that's it's designed to trick and steal from people, right? And then he had to pay a huge penalty, and then he buys a mass, buys a pretty, you know, an expensive property, pays over asking, and then he disappears that day. It's just, yeah, it's a whole different case now from from when I originally looked at it. Yeah, not just over asking either. So the asking price was about half a million dollars. He paid. Over a hundred thousand dollars more for that pen. Wow, which is insane. That's criminally insane. Why would you do that? You know. Yeah, he really wanted that place, right? Yeah, uh, I guess so. Oh, yeah. And and I'm thinking about 2008. 
the the housing market yeah it was probably relatively expensive too but it wasn't really heating up where it was like just that you know where you know remember like a you know a few years later where people were just going crazy going over asking because it was like this big buyer friends and a lot of times too those are people like coming from outside of the city with money right you know yes so the the thing is he doesn't really fit that criteria of a 20, a 25 most 25 year olds are not paying 100 grand over asking right so blown blown away too and I'm, I'm also blown away that it took this long for it to come out yeah me too um and i don't know why it has suddenly come out i know initially it was investigated in 2011 when kellen's father petitioned to have his son declared dead right um and the court filing said that his income kellen's income wasn't matching up with his new mortgage payments on the condo. So his mortgage payments on the new condo were about uh, $4,400 a month. Wow. Which was 150% more than he was making. Again, when you're dealing with criminals, what do they call it? Den of thieves, right? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, pick your poison for your partners, right? <laughs> you're not oh, going to get the most, uh, the most liable and the most loyal. Yeah, and when you mentioned like, they're willing to scam this blind person like it's they've won the lottery, you know. They're like, "Oh man, I found this blind person." They're yeah, the perfect yeah, target, you know. The attitude. It, it 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 was totally disgusting. Like I'm not yeah, even this, joking. They're willing to scam this blind elderly person, right? Yeah. They are likely going to do that for you as well, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah, you know exactly, right? Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, one, I, I don't think they'll ever find his body, unfortunately. And, and for the family, you know, regardless if he was involved in criminal activity, you know, we all did stupid stuff. He was 25 years old. Um, I don't believe he deserved the fate that happened to him. You know, everyone has a chance, should have a chance to turn their life around and, and, you know, do the right thing. We all make mistakes when we're younger. But this is what I'm saying, too. This is another cautionary tale where... Uh, and this is back to Vancouver. I see people, young people, naive people, they get in over their head. Like, for example, let's say a guy gets a job at the, one of those lottery places thinking it's a legitimate job because they used to advertise in regular like job ads all the time. And, and then he decides he's good at this and he's making lots of money and stuff. Hey, I want to start my own room. Right, you see how easy that someone can just all of a sudden just get in over their head, right? And and in a lot of times these rooms too, because these people that are working in them, they're doing drugs or they're drinking a lot. They're, you know, they're they're spending the money faster than they can um, spend it. I the one of the guys I worked with, he this guy every Friday he had a condo downtown and he would have these crazy parties, and I remember one time I went. Um, over to his house or his condo, uh, this guy I worked with in his lottery scummy business, coffee table, you know what a skim board is, you know, where you, you ride the way, you know, on the waves, you, yep. jump, you know, he had, yeah, he got he had a skim board, he had a skim board on the skim board. It had a pile of cocaine on it. And I'm like, Oh, snorting up all your profits you made this week. And that's where the money goes to. And that's why, that's why it's, it, you know, I, I have no respect for people that do this kind of business because definitely they, they, they feel subconsciously guilty about it and they usually end up drinking, blowing, blowing it, uh, literally up their nose. And it's a rabbit hole, right? Like you start by applying for this random harmless job yes. and you don't know where it's going to go. And you end up in this boiler room situation. 
and then it goes downhill from there. And then, Addicted like to drugs you said, in a lot of cases too. Yeah, exactly. It's not to say that, like, it's a very unfortunate situation for Kellen, you know? Yes. Um, it's super unfortunate that he met this fate. Um, but I believe it is because of this crowd and this job. Oh, I, I 100% now. He this, met these unsavory really, characters. Yeah, this really sheds a whole different light on everything. And yeah, it was a really uh, great discovery. And you said that just came out really recent, too. Yeah, um, at the time of filming this yesterday, this information came to light to the public. Wow. So, the the cases that I want to talk about with you too, and this is like just kind of back to the audience, just to give a context. So when we first started talking, I was talking about there there was these cases in the states. I I'm kind of on the fence on it. Like I do believe there's something there. But they're they're very strange, and, and these are the cases where the person that doesn't have any criminal activity or any ties are usually typically very good kids, and you know, in school and college, and you know, doing things that are positive in their life, and they disappear under these circumstances. So in the states, there's a whole rash of them, and and they're, they they believe there's a cult called the Smiley Face Killers that that target young athletic men, and they think they do some type of disturbing ritual with them and then they're found in water um after um they've gone missing and a lot of times when they discover these bodies is that they can tell that they they haven't been in the water for that long so if they've been missing for two weeks they've only been their body has only been dead for three days and they and only been in the water for a day right when they do the um examination uh, report on them. So there's some very strange cases. And in some cases, I feel that some of uh, these cases get lumped in, into them. I do believe there's something to the smiley face killers because there are just too many of them and they're really strange. Did you read that article? About, I think it was a BuzzFeed one. I believe so, yes. That one was the weirdest one because... Or North, um, yeah. it was in North Dakota, North Dakota. Yep. This guy goes missing. He's found in water, but he, but someone tried to abduct him about two weeks earlier, and his his friend, who was a, a female friend, picked him up at a hotel, and he was totally drugged and incoherent, and he didn't make any sense. And there was all these SUVs like parked or like he was walking out of the hotel lobby and she saw him because she had him on there on the, um, the, on the iPhone, you know, connect your phone. Find my iPhone. App, yeah, yeah. Find my iPhone. Yeah. 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 And, and so she knew where he was and she saw him wave him. He was about to get into some SUV and he was like completely drugged out. And then two weeks later he's found in water drowned of GHB in the system. Yeah. There's, there's these strange cases that fit all the same narrative. And the reason we're starting these, these missing men podcast series is because we wanted to talk about like how that's, there's some of these in Vancouver, right. That are popping yes. up that fit a similar narrative. Um, we thought like we were talking about that Kellen fit a similar narrative at first. Right. Yeah. yeah at first, after... I, I was kind of like when I first, I, he fit, but then there was those little things that, oh, maybe not, right? But now, absolutely, I don't think he fits. No, me neither. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to get into those the smiley face killing rumor, right? Yeah. And there's a ton of rumors about them. And like you said, I do believe there's something to it, right? Where these men, healthy, um, always like 
academically intelligent, um, doing well in life, are then suddenly going missing, right? And there's cases where this has happened in Vancouver, too. Oh, totally. Um, and it'll be interesting to get into them, for sure. Yeah, we'll break down more of them. Um, I, again, they they just don't make any sense. And one of the ones that really, I don't know, just gets under my skin, it creeps me out, was this, was this young guy. He was, um, I think he was studying architecture at pretty an advanced degree he was a very petite guy very small very harmless he didn't have like he wasn't really outgoing he kind of a little bit of a loner and he told his roommate he goes oh i'm just gonna go get tea i think he went to the university of boston and he told his roommate oh i'm just gonna go down and get some pizza do you want anything the guy said no i'm cool and he never came home and the next day the rowers were rowing on the on the river and they found his body underneath the dock and he was completely chained up like completely like almost like you'd see like in a like a mobster movie like completely wrapped and chained tied to a cinder block well they ruled it a suicide and i'm like and that's what one of the other strange things is that these cases, like even though they're really strange stuff, they get just the first the first ruling from the medical examiner, oh, suicide, misadventure, da 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 da. And the families usually are very outraged and they hire and the one thing different in the States than in Canada, families can hire their own private medical examiners. And they when they do a different one, they they usually go against the original um ruling. And so how can a guy tie himself completely up in chains and then tie it to a cinder block and then jump off a dock and then drown himself. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? Not at all. And that's the difference that I feel in the States. I'm not saying cops in the States are any better or anything, but they seem to provide more information to the public. Yeah, agreed. And that's the problem too when we talk about raising awareness for how to be aware in situations, right? Yes. And um, I know we've talked about potentially doing a series about how to raise awareness, raise awareness, sorry. Um, and it's these police statements that are coming out of, don't be afraid for these random attackings. People should be afraid. And there's certain areas that people should be avoiding. Yes. Right? And that's the issue that we're facing right now in Vancouver a lot of the time. Well, again, you know, we, we go back to the missing people, right? Like, the thing that's strange, you know, is this. It's that more people go missing in B.C. than anywhere else, possibly, like, per capita than North America. Because think about this, right? You got, you got the province of Ontario, 15 million people. But yet, even though uh, B.C., has a lot less population, let's say give or take four or five million for the entire province. I'm just get taking a number off the top of my head. But we have twice the physical missing people than a province that has over 15 million people. Majority of them are women. Um, a lot of them are indigenous. Uh, with that, that's a whole nother, you know, rabbit hole we can go down to. But again, when it comes down to the least likely people that go missing are usually athletic young men, but then there's a high spike of them too, right? So that's why it stands out to me because it's like, a, a, a spike of a, a kind of a demographic that's the least likely to go disappear under strange circumstances. If someone's involved in drugs or criminal activity, or you owe scary people money, or 
you're in a domestic violence situation or you're prone to suicide or depression. These are usually typical reasons why someone might decide to go missing or or become missing, right? Yeah, agreed. And the scary part is, too, that I don't hear a lot of people talking about these missing men's cases. Like, they're very unknown to the public. They are randomized, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part is, why are these cases popping up? Because in history, like you said, it's usually these young, healthy, athletic males that are physically fit that usually have nothing to worry about, honestly. No, no, If we're fitting a narrative, it's it's that they usually are the ones that should have nothing to worry about. Like if we're going based off of Kellen, I know he no longer fits this narrative, but he was 220 pounds roughly. Yeah. He was a big dude. Five foot 10. Yeah. A bouncer. Right. And he had an interest in the gym. Yeah. So So he knew if his life was at risk, right? So if his life was at risk, he'd put up a fight, you know, full of adrenaline, someone trying to take him out. And he'd be able, you know, it's a lot harder taking someone that's 220 than say a hundred pounds. Exactly. And that's one of the weird aspects about the, you know, the missing men cases and specifically in some of the stranger ones that we'll get into later in the series is that how were they like some of them just pure like abductions like there was a one in New Westminster, his car was found car door opened, no sign of struggle. So how do you physically get someone out of their car, right? You felt without a struggle. That means that you have to, in my opinion, I always thought, well, someone may be impersonating a cop, right? Like, how do you get, like, you're shining a light in the face, please step outside, da-da-da-da. You know what I mean? You're Especially, you know, someone, you know, thinking it's a cop. If you disobey, you're in trouble, right? You know? Yes. They've been lured somehow. Yeah, yeah. It has that has that aspect, right? Um, the, the, other, the other thing is, too, the other second way of, how do you how do you get get a big dude's cooperation? A female, right? Hey, yep. got this girl. She likes you. She wants. She's coming over. She wants to meet you. You know what I mean? Play with ego, the honey trap, and that's why yeah. I find the. Uh, that's why I I I don't know. I'm gonna look at uh, I'm gonna look at the video again, and I'll post the video. But I truly believe that was a female. Yeah, I agree. Um, just based on the mannerisms and then also the facts, right? Like who's going to lure this big guy out of his apartment or go to the apartment to get this big guy? Most likely going to be a female, right? Yeah, it'd be a lot easier, right? Less threat, nothing. Oh, you know, who's afraid of a little girl, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're going to continue on this series. We're going to look at some of the stranger. I, I feel that some of these cases, these men were lured uh, well, maybe we'll get into maybe some theories, but yeah, there's some really troubling cases and you did bring up something like these cases tend to get overlooked. And I want to address that because generally speaking, right. It's like when women go missing, they think, Oh, something terrible happened. She was probably abducted, maybe sexual assault, maybe murder. Right. Cause that's their first fear. Oh my God, this woman's missing or abducted or a child. Right. With, with with young men, they always think, oh, misadventure. That's the first thing people think, right? Oh, they're probably doing something stupid, something drinking or some kind of tomfoolery or whatever, right? So the men don't really get that same kind of uh, initial, like, um, sympathy when they go missing. And, and, and unfortunately, too, when I see, like, older men go missing, like middle-aged, t- typically it's suicide, but they don't, you know, it's a different, this is a different criteria. And... 
But with these young guys, yeah, they deserve it because, you know, they weren't, and in some of these cases, they weren't involved in anything. And, and you know, and it must be very tragic for their family. Because think about this, right? Think about if you had a bad kid, a kid that just drove you nuts, in and out of juvie, in and out of jail, you know, just being a, a total headache. And then something terrible happens. So it would be awful and you'd feel terrible. But you say, oh, but he had such a troubled life. But imagine if you have a perfect kid that does everything right and goes to school and on his way for a great, you know, career or a great life. And then one day this kid just disappears off the face of the earth. Like, I can't imagine what that's like for the family. And my heart goes out to them and they have my, my, my empathy to, for that, that loss. So, yeah, these, these men deserve justice and they deserve to be talked about as well. Right. Like, everybody's story deserves to be heard if they've gone missing and these families deserve to know what happened to their, to their missing loved ones. Right. For sure. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate this. We'll keep going on this. I appreciate your help and stuff. And yeah, I'm looking forward to doing also, we're talking, we're talking about doing some safety stuff. You know, you're involved in self-defense and jujitsu and, and I really want to encourage, uh, you know, especially people your age or anyone's age to get involved in that stuff because it'll be good for you, good for your self-esteem and stuff. So I'm happy that you're involved in that and, and, and it's been great working with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's awesome working with you as well. All right, Ryan, you take care. I'll add this up and I'll get this up as fast as I can. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Um...